Welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you want increased productivity, profitability, and a better quality of life, this show is for you. And now your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel, and I am super excited about today's interview. We have a very, very uh, wonderful guest on the show. We have an expert, uh, someone that we all need. We have an expert CPA who specializes in medical and dental practices, so I can't wait to dive into this interview. Our guest for the show today is William A. Taylor, Jr., CPA, CFP, P-F-S-M-A-C-C-T. Welcome to the show, Mr. Taylor. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am super excited about this interview. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, we're going to be covering some, some topics that I know a lot of dentists and medical professionals alike are, are, need to know and are curious about. But before we dive deep into to your interview, I want to say to the listeners, if you have not already joined our free Facebook group, please do so. The group is called Efficiency Now Network. There are a group of dental professionals and other business owners. We're all in there. We're helping each other to have efficient practices, whether it's an efficient medical or dental practice, or using efficient practices to run our businesses better. So it's a free Facebook group. And if you have not, please subscribe to the show, Efficient Practice Podcast. We are now available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast mediums. So if you not, have not done so, please do, do so at this time. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. So our very esteemed guest for today, Mr. William A. Taylor Jr., uh, he's done all these wonderful things. So I want to give you a little bit of background about Mr. Taylor's, uh, his achievements and some of the things that he does. So, Mr. William A. Taylor, Jr., CPA, CFP, PFS, MACCT, lots of credentials there, is a business owner, entrepreneur, mentor, and former Louisiana track and field athlete of the year. He has a 12-year-old son, William Hanul Taylor, and an 11-year-old daughter, Megan Hannah Taylor. Taylor is the founder of Taylor CPA and Associates, PC, with offices in Columbus, Georgia, and Atlanta, Georgia. The firm currently employs a staff of 16. Taylor formed Blue Holdings LLC, an asset holding company. Blue Holdings LLC currently holds commercial rental real estate, residential rental real estate, securities, precious stones, and other assets. After a storied high school career in track and field, in which he still holds the high school record in the high jump in Louisiana, Taylor was named Track and Field Athlete of the Year in 1989. Moreover, he was the valedictorian of his graduating class. True to his firm belief in education, Taylor took his studies in athletic talents and matriculated to Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. There, he earned both his undergraduate degree in accounting and his master's degree in accounting and taxation. 
Along with excelling academically, he also achieved many honors as a track and field student athlete while attending Tulane University and holds the university's high jump record to this very day. He continues his pursuit of education by way of professional development courses provided by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the Georgia Society of CPAs, and other professional associations. In August 2018, Taylor CPA and Associates PC was selected as Minority Business Enterprise of the Year in the state of Georgia by the Atlanta Tribune Magazine. In March 2018, Taylor CPA and Associates PC was selected as AFLAC's Vendor of the Year for 2017 in one of five categories. In January 2013, Mr. Taylor was selected as the Greater Columbus, Georgia Chamber of Commerce's J.R. Allen Young Business Leader of the Year Award recipient. In 2010, Mr. Taylor was selected to Diversity MBA Magazine's Top 100 Under 50 Executive and Emerging Leaders in the USA. In 2009, Taylor was one of 60 people selected in the state of Georgia to participate in the Leadership Georgia program. In 2009, he received a cover feature as one of five individuals under the age of 40 leading Columbus, Georgia, and the surrounding areas in business and community involvement. In the August 2007 issue of Georgia Trend Magazine, Taylor is featured on the cover as one of Georgia's 40 under 40 best and brightest individuals in business, government, and the arts. Taylor has served on the board of directors for various for-profit and not-for-profit organizations to include the House of Mercy, the Greater Columbus, Georgia Chamber of Commerce, and the Development Authority of Columbus. He currently serves on the board of Columbus Bank and Trust Company and Emanuel Preparatory School of Math and Science. His passion to help others has afforded Taylor the opportunity to serve as an instructor for the Chamber of Commerce, NAVA, and the Division of Firms teaching courses on small business operations and entrepreneurship. He conducts seminars on budgeting, business, and personal tax strategies, wealth creation alter alternatives, and entity choices throughout the southeastern region. He also publishes a newsletter called The Answer and has written financial education columns for news publications in Columbus, Georgia. Taylor's firm, Taylor CPA and Associates PC, hosts a holiday break externship program, sponsors college internship programs for students pursuing a degree in the field of accounting, and a scholarship program granting tuition costs for college-bound students and summer college program fees for high school band students. Furthermore, he hosts track and field camps for youth in the southeastern region where the advisors for the camp are collegiate level track and field coaches and former collegiate track and field athletes. Taylor CP and Associates PC continually donates track and field and basketball shoes to various sports programs throughout Georgia and Louisiana. In March 2006, Taylor established the Run Your Own Business for a Year Apprenticeship. 
which allows high school sophomores and juniors to compete for the opportunity to win a 5,000 stipend to run their own business for a period of one year. Taylor is licensed in the state of Georgia as well as the state of Louisiana and has been employed by big four and regional accounting firms. When he is not hard at work or serving in one of his various capacities, Taylor loves to fish, read financial publications, and vacation at beaches throughout the country and abroad, often riding jet ski, watercrafts, and boats, Spending time with his children and other family members and friends is a constant that provides a wealth of happiness. Mr. Taylor is in several associations, committees, and has several affiliations, such as the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, Georgia Society of CPAs Tax Committee, Louisiana Association of CPAs, Institute of Internal Auditors, Division of Firms, NABA, Synovus Financial Group, Regional Advisory Board Member, the Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce Advisor, Mayor's Revenue Commission, Omega Sci-Fi Incorporated Member, Sigma Pi Phi Fraternity Inc. Member, NAACP Member, and Jack and Jill of America. Welcome to the show, Mr. William Taylor. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You have done so many things and you have so many accomplishments. So the people who are listening to the show are going to want to stay in and hear this entire episode because he's going to drop so many pearls of wisdom and you don't want to miss out. So as we're talking about all these wonderful things that you've done and all these um, affiliations and uh, committees that you serve on, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Like what uh, brought you into the accounting field? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about you. You have a lot of clients who are medical and dental uh, related later on. But but what's been your journey thus far? Um, well, I, I grew up on a boat, on a shrimp boat. Um, so if you've seen Forrest Gump, it's, it's that process without the money, of course. My favorite um, movie of all terms, of all times, by the way. <laughs> oh, I love it. I watch it all the time. It was kind of the first time somebody told my story. Just... <laughs> We don't make that kind of money on that boat, but the hurricanes, all of that stuff is real. Um, so I grew up in Venice, Louisiana, which is about, if you're familiar with Louisiana, it looks like a boot. There's a toe that sticks out. So I grew up at the bottom of that toe, um, 70 miles from New Orleans, and ended up getting involved in, in sports, which is kind of the only way out. Sports led me to a number of scholarship offers and it didn't hurt that I was an I was a straight A student. So it, it made me attractive to quite a few schools, but I did have enough guidance and, and knew enough to go to a school where I was gonna be able to get an education and get the accounting piece. I chose accounting because in my hometown there's nothing else that there's one doctor, one dentist, one attorney. So you don't know about 
general dentists and oral surgeons and periodontists or orthopedic surgeons and cancer docs. You, you don't know any of that. And what I was told by my teachers was that if I wanted to secure a job and guarantee that I did not have to go back to a shrimp boat, I needed to be an accountant. So that's how, that's how it happened. And fortunately, I didn't change my major. So it, I, that's all I knew. Amazing. Wow, that's good. I, I might want to be one of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. We need you. We need you in the capacity that you are. So that, that's a that's a very uh, interesting uh, interesting background and interesting story of how you how you came to to the accounting field, um, how you uh, ended up here. And right. so you you know, I was reading all the credentials and I was reading all those things. Uh, behind your name. So you're, you have a lot of areas uh, in terms of how you can help us as, you know, dentists and, and a lot of the listeners are going to be dentists and medical uh, practitioners uh, because that's what I'm going to attract. But there are people in all kinds of businesses that are listening, you know, worldwide. Okay. So, um, how, how did you end up, um, your firm has about 85% medical and dental clients. Yes. How did you end up kind of being, uh, you know, more le leaning towards the, the medical profession? Well, at the time, and I think still today, most CPAs start firms at about 41. And I was 28 and ready to kind of do my own thing. I had done three years with Arthur Anderson at the time. They were number one in the world. And then I came to Georgia to a very good regional firm did three years with them. And I really just wanted to do my own thing. So uh, I went out on my own. And in this profession, people kind of want you to have a little age on you. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> and I ended up getting a few military clients. Uh, and those clients were physicians and dentists, actually an oral surgeon and an EENT doc that were coming out of the military. And I had to take what I could get at the time, didn't realize how valuable that situation would be. And by default, as I realized a lot of healthcare folk go into the military to lower their costs of medical and dental school. And by default, as they were coming out, their circle of friends, when they decided to come out, they reached out to them like, what are you doing? Who's your CPA? Who's your attorney? I need somebody. Well, those folk come out the military from everywhere. North Carolina, Louisiana, Georgia, you name it, California. And people tend to gravitate to folk who are like them. So everybody they was referring was another dentist, another physician. And two or three years into it, I'm like, well, all I'm dealing with is dentists and physicians, so I think I'm going to go down this road. And it just ended up working out that way. And then we started zooming the firm in on it and basically excluding a lot of other industries because there was just enough business, enough growth. Um, you know, I was kind of raised that, dentists and physicians had it going on kind of like <laughs> preachers and i realized yes y'all do but 
there are some issues that come with having it going on. So we were able to jump into all the issues that come with that from on the job to starting a practice to being successful and now wanting to open Burger Kings and buy apartments and all that other stuff. And there was always a new issue. So now we're 18, we're 18 years, nine months and 14 days in. That's still our group. I know every day how long I've been doing it. I see. Almost <laughs> a minute in the second. Well, you know, what is that about? <laughs> so yes, that, that's so good that you you said all that. You just said you said quite a bit. And we're gonna walk through what, what you said, okay. how how your journey was, how you uh, it, it's a, it's amazing how things evolve. You know mm -hmm. how you got the a couple of clients, and then they refer more dental and medical people. And like you said, we we have some specific issues in our profession. And I like to say, kind of like we say, dentists we're we're not a commodity. A dentist is not a dentist is not a dentist. You know what I mean? So we we have certain areas that we may be more proficient at. We have certain things that we may have a more of an interest in. Some of us may focus on implants, some may focus on sleep apnea, apnea or cosmetics. And I like to think of, you know, my advisors the same way, you know, and right. I, I'll kind of tell a quick story of how I came to, to know you. My financial advisor recommended me to you after uh, starting my first practice for the listeners. I had a CPA or firm that I was referred to uh, one person in particular there that did dental and uh, medical practices. Well, when I got there, the person left. And so I was passed on to someone else who didn't really do dental and medical offices. So I would have all these questions, and I don't know if you, you knew this or not, but I would have all these questions about the practice, and they weren't always answered. So my financial advisor, someone I've trusted, for many years, you know who I'm talking about. He's going to be on the show as well. Trust, trust, trust him and, and really um, take to heart any of his advice. It, well, you know what? Uh, this would be a good firm for you. Uh, Taylor CPA and Associates, they're very specialized. They have a lot of, you know, dental and medical clients. Uh, and this might be a shameless plug, but when I got with you guys, you were very detailed. I knew, you know, so many things about the practice. And I realized that there was definitely a difference in terms of, you know, your, your firm in terms of some of the other firms that might not have as many clients that have our unique things, even if we kind of got it going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's so true. So, um, uh, like I said, you guys are wonderful. And, and for the listeners, uh, their firm is just outstanding. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that too. So um, I have some questions uh, for you. Uh, okay. And these are some questions that, you know, we get all the time. Um, and I know you're going to know the answers, but people are going to want to listen in there again for things that are specific to our profession. And when you're first starting off, when people come to you and they say, you know what? I think I want to start a medical practice or I want to start a dental practice. What are some of the specific things that you tell them in terms of maybe the best way of setting up their, their, their medical practice as a, as a business from like an accounting standpoint of view? Well, we, we try to get to know the client because uh, we're talking about partnerships, S-Corps, sole proprietor, 
sea carps, all that stuff. And all of those come with discipline requirements and risk. So we'll get to know the client. Uh, we'll look at what's out there, student loan debts. Um, what are they used to being paid? How are they used to being paid? Because some people have gotten W-2, some get 1099s, and frankly, some have no idea what they were getting, yes. which was the surprises that I was learning as, as we were jumping in. Um, so once we get that detail, then we'll lay out how we think you should operate. And we'll tell you, ideally, we want you to be an S-corporation. But maybe right now we start this way and then we transition into that. Because with that S-carp comes some disciplines. Mainly, you need to get a payroll check. And you need, to, you need to try to get it consistently. You need to remit payments to the government, to your state agencies, et cetera. So um, we don't just jump out and recommend something. And then we have some docs that are like, look, I want all my money and I'm going to deal with it. Well, if it's just them, it's a single member LLC. If they have a partner, it's a partnership, but there's no W-2 involved. And we are constantly telling you the downside of that. It's the worst situation to be in. But for some people, you need the worst situation to create the best situation. So as they go through it for a year or two and they start hating that tax bill, then I'm like, well, remember that <laughs> meeting? No. Oh, hold on. Let me print these notes for you. Hang on. And then we'll kind of get it moving. I hope that makes sense. It, it, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny you said we'll get those notes out because you, you do have notes and you have reports. And, and so um, <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. So the, the S-Corp you said is kind of ideal. How, yes. What about C-Corps? If somebody's asking you about the C-Corporations, how does that fit into anything? Well, C-Corps, for one, are subject to double taxation, meaning whatever profit the company makes is subject to tax on that profit. And then when you take those profits beyond your regular compensation, you're paying tax again. The current situation with President Trump has allowed a lot of people to believe that C-Corp is now the way to go. With 99% of the clients we deal with, it's absolutely out of the question. Even though there are lower tax rates, you're still paying tax twice. And when you look at the two combined rates, they still exceed what a typical licensed professional is going to deal with. So we're not a fan purely because of the double taxation. But if you're getting to that, if you're in that part of your life where you're debt free, your retirement is funded and you own the building, then we can jump into the C cart because we'll try to make sure we never get to that double taxation. And by the time we get to it, the effective rate is so low that it doesn't matter. Effective rate meaning you're in a tax bracket but there's another rate that you actually pay. So you may be in a 35% bracket, but only paying 17% when you look at the real numbers. So if your effective rate is low enough, we'll use the C-CARP strictly for benefits, 
fringe benefits, and that's typically going to be your mature healthcare providers that have gone through the starting the practice, getting the salary, funding retirement, buying the building, and now we're strictly looking at fringe benefit and tax shelter. Okay. So they they'll get that money much later because we're getting rid of it legally as best we can. Okay. So there's different phases and different stages and you yeah. kind of walk each individual through, through whatever is uh, specific to their current situation. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, um, and these are some questions that some other people have uh, like submitted because they knew you were coming on the show. Okay. Um, what about, uh, this is so important. And you said something a few minutes ago about how you're surprised that when some people come in, they may not even understand how they're getting paid in right. terms of W-2 1099. So I'm guessing you might get some people that have practices who don't understand their percentages. Right. So how would you explain or tell, uh, advise the uh, medical professionals of just basically understanding their numbers, what numbers do they need to know, what percentages of overhead should they have? So that's about three questions in one. Right. Well, understanding the numbers. Um, your money is going to come from three places. You, the bank, are, are, are a patient. So and I know that sounds simple, but we have people who will tell us three years after we met, oh, that there was 50000 that I put into the practice a couple of years ago. Well, on the bank statement, it just says a deposit. It looks like income. And now we're trying to amend returns to get some of that back because um, it, it's been taxed. But you need to understand your revenue and then your revenue streams. You know, who is it coming from? Are they insurance payers? Are they cash payers? And if they're insurance, you've got your good insurance, your bad insurance. And we'll find people seeing all the folk they care about and love and complaining about the revenue, but the folk they care about and love has that insurance that doesn't pay, or they put them on a cash plan and they're never going to see that money. Because if you're not, what we've seen over the, 18 plus years, if you're not getting 89 to 95% of your money in dentistry, since you're a dentist, something's wrong. Now, in, in healthcare is different, but I'm focusing on your profession right now. Exactly. 89 to 94, 95% is a good number. And very, the people who are successful to the point where not having to think about it, that's their range. The people who have ebbs and flows and sometimes realize I didn't have it going on for the last six months, they're not looking at those numbers. And you can see those numbers weekly, monthly, uh, and typically we'll ask for them when we're meeting with clients. Uh, and the more educated our dentists are, the less we even have to deal with that. Uh, but you, you have to know your revenue sources. and it's you got these contracts out there where people think they're just making a ton of money, but they're agreeing to these arrangements, these DMOs and all that stuff where they're not getting what they think they're getting. 
I'm not saying don't do it, but there's a time and a place for everything. And if you're always evaluating it, you can make shifts. Like we have dentists that have said, okay, these are different groups, different types of money, different services, and they may not understand each other. So we're going to open two locations or we're going to have two days a week where we're filling it up with this group. And we're going to have two and a half days a week because y'all don't work on Wednesdays and Fridays. <laughs> two and a half days a week to where we're going to see this other group. And then they have to decide how to not leave one group behind because the revenue is significantly different. It is. Significant. One group, you may see a patient and make $400. The other group, you could do the same work and make $117. Well, you start multiplying that $280 plus dollar difference by 20 patients a day, four and a half days a week, 21 days a month, 250 days a year, that becomes a lot of money, a ton of money. Um, so I hope that's answering. It does, it does. So understanding your revenue streams and and you, you kind of mentioned like the insurances and things of that sort. And it's true. Right. Like you said, there's a time and place for everything. Right. Well, we would all love to be fee for service. Right. Because you want to get paid for your services. We do understand that some practices may be new. They may need to accept insurance plans. Right. So it could be location. It could be demographics. And like you said, just understanding that, knowing that some of these plans are requiring you to write off a significant part right. of your your production so you're producing a lot you think right and like you say you look at your reports at the end of the day and you can see these percentages of write-offs right you may not just be bringing in as much production and they uh, and therefore collections right so understanding those revenues those revenue streams and we've had dentists like come in and swear I'm going off to do cash only. And then we get to digging and I'm like, hey doc, if you can send this group is paying you 70% of what you're making and you're seeing them on average 2.25 days per week, you could literally shut down your practice for two days and unfortunately you may have to shed one or two people and make the same amount of money versus running out here to do cash only. And then when you do cash only, the first time you agree to give somebody a payment plan, do you think my, my teeth cleaning and dental exam is as valuable tomorrow as it was today when you didn't collect all my money? So you, you have to be very careful with that. And then we'll show them where, if you've got a batch of insurances paying you 91, 93, 94%, why would you walk away from 94% that's pretty much residual and almost guaranteed because of your great chair-side manner and your reputation and go over here trying to chase some cash? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense sometimes, but because they don't understand the revenue flow, they get frustrated. They talk to the other dentists at the conference in the water cooler and they're like, you got to go over here. And then they're gone, leaving all this money behind for the next person who opens a practice. Yeah, so you got to be careful. 
Yes, you're exactly right. And I, I think something you're saying is, is there again is unique for it's different for each practice. Mm-hmm. So the fee for service practice is great if you can do it. Right. You, as you pointed out, it just in terms of if you're doing those type of practices and you actually have the patience to support it, sometimes you can make the same amount on less people. Or right. if you don't have those people though, you want to be fee for service, but you don't have the patience to support it right you got to have the procedures and the patients to support to support it right to do those things so that's why we have you to help us understand those numbers because we may not be looking at it from that standpoint of view right okay we have to so are are you advising of some reports as well so uh understanding the revenue but let's say for example i've i've met a lot of dentists because I happen to be one. But um, a lot of us are really hands-off. And so a lot of us aren't reading the reports that we should be reading at the end of the day. So some of us have office managers that have been with us a long time mm-hmm. and just kind of delegate everything to the office manager. But there's a danger in that as well. Right. So are, are there certain reports that you tell them they should be watching every day? In terms you of- have to look at your summarized AR report. It's going to show what you were owed coming into the day. Then the second column is typically new work you've done. That third column is going to show you collections. And then your write-offs and your balance. You That takes 10 seconds. And the more you look at it, the more that 10 seconds is going to go to 30 seconds, two minutes, three minutes. Five or six minutes is a long time if you're looking at that report because now you can start thinking about who are we seeing, what kind of people were in here this past week. Okay, why are we spreading them out? Let's reallocate and have these days for this group. Now I can feel great about this group and, and go from there. If, if you never look at those reports, you never know anything and you're overwhelming your office manager with so much, they're going to stop bothering you with what's important and just comply. And compliance keeps you out of trouble, but compliance don't make you any money. You, people need to understand that. that. That compliance piece needs to remain compliance, but you have to spend time on revenue generation and the types of revenue you want that you need and what's available in your area. And some people get so into it, they'll relocate zip codes across town because they'll notice, wow, 35% of my highest paying people are driving 23 miles to see me from certain areas. If I go there, I'm gonna keep all of them. They'll send me more folk. And then my loyal people are going to now drive from where I used to be to see me anyway. So you see a lot of that. You can only think to do that when you understand your revenue. That's true. That makes sense. It's, it's just a, a, a more efficient uh, right. you know, reading and knowing of your numbers. It makes you more efficient so that you can do things and produce or make more. Right. Just more efficiently. It just makes more sense when you're looking at those numbers. Right. So do you find that your clients, I know you supply balance sheets and lots of reports. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, that we're understanding 
the balance sheets, the income statements, uh, the P&L statements? Are, are we, uh, and, and I know the answer to that, but I thought I'd ask you. No. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd ask you anyway. Right. I think the more we deal with people, the more they understand it over time, because I'm, you know from dealing with me, I don't want your money unless you understand what I'm doing. Because if you understand the basics, I can move on to something more, more complex and start the wealth creation process for you. So I, I can honestly say that 99% of the time when people walk in the door, not only do they have no clue, they don't even want to see it. They're like, I think I'm going to pay you enough to do that. That's fine. If you stay going down that path, that same client is going to eventually end up screaming at you because something's going to happen that they don't understand. So we're very diligent in saying, hey, here you go. Well, the first time we meet, they may play on their cell phone or their iPad. And then I'm like, you're not paying attention. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. Once that thing is getting efficient and they don't like that IRS bill or that loan rate jumps because it's not locked in and the loan payment goes up and now that it's squeezing the bottom line, I'm like, well, if you pay attention to this, we can prepare for that. And then you can just say, okay, check the box and keep moving. So over time, our clients do become more educated. They get into it. And now when they're watching CNBC or they're at a convention, they can even understand the stock market, retirement, all that stuff, because the, the foundation of everything is the same. What's it costing me? What does it cost to maintain it? What's going to be my excess above what it takes to keep that situation running? It's, it's just kind of how it works. Okay. All right. And that's all great advice. So with, with helping us to understand, and I say us, mm -hmm. you know, medical dental people and as your clients, um, do you go into even just the payroll? Because mm -hmm. I do payroll. Sometimes, well, I, I can't imagine people would do this, but try to do their own payroll. Um, oftentimes we hire companies, you know, some of the bigger companies to, to kind of do that for us. But some of us try to even do that on our own. So are you, are you also running into helping people just to understand payroll and how it works? And yes, we, we dig into every aspect of the financial that we can control. We can't control your advertising, but when it comes to payroll, uh, managing your bill, your cash flow, all that good stuff, we get into it. And, and it's, to me, it's unreal how many people do not understand payroll. Docs will call me. My payroll was twenty thousand. They took twenty four thousand out of my account. They stole my money. You need to call them people. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you got an obligation that's about nine to thirteen percent above your actual payroll. Well, why? And then we'll break down Social Security, Medicare, unemployment, and then all the other stuff that goes with that. And they'll say, oh, well, nobody told me that. They didn't tell me that in dental school. I'm like, no, no. well, they don't have time for that. They didn't tell you to get good advice. So <laughs> we have to, uh, we try to educate on the basics of payroll so they can run numbers through their head. 
to a client, I, sometimes they'll be on the phone. Well, I got payroll next week. It's going to be 30000 9%. It's another $2,700. So it's about 32, 33 grand. I'm like, all right, you're getting it. So you move on to something else. <laughs> now you get it. You're like a proud papa when we start. Oh, it's, it's awesome because you know that for that one person that now understands, there's nine that do not. Exactly. It's And it's unreal. There's 98% financial illiteracy. It doesn't mean you can't read or you can't add. It just means you don't understand. Right. And you know, as you said that, when you, when you, when you started off, you said it's unreal how many people don't understand payroll, but it's kind of like the, the other things that we do in terms of the business of dentistry. And I say that a lot. It's the business of dentistry and the science of, you know, running the practice, but it, it, we, we didn't learn it. You know, we, we did not learn it. I say that all the time. We didn't learn marketing. We didn't learn how to manage teams or, deal with insurance companies or negotiate our contracts with insurance companies or we learn how to be, you know, dentists or, you know, we learn how to be doctors and do mechanical procedures. And a lot of times we just want our hands in people's mouths. We just want to create beautiful, you know, smiles. And that's what we, we, we like to do. And we're oftentimes introverts. So we're not always effective communicators and, we're just kind of into our own little world of millimeters. And then you tell us we're supposed to be reading, you know, payroll and a P&L statement and, and things of that sort. So you're right. It's great. We have wonderful professionals like you to help us, but it's also, you know, if people are listening, important to know these things too, to know your numbers, right. know your numbers, know how these things work. Cause like you said, then it helps you to help us even better. Right. Mm-hmm. It does. So that, that just makes perfect sense. And like I said, I, I started asking the question and I knew the answer to it. Like, do you find that we understand these things? Uh, absolutely, we don't. But, but right. yes, it, it helps you to help us better when we can, we can learn these things uh, about, you know, our practices and our numbers. So I, I had a couple of questions um, uh, from some people in one of our, our private Facebook groups. We have a lot of dentists in there. And there are so many dentists coming out with these huge practice loans and they're just overwhelmed. They get into practice, you know, they may go work at, as an associate or maybe for one of the, uh, the larger uh, corporate companies. And they're just concerned about all the debt. This right. enormous amount of debt. I've, I've had people say that they're 300 to $500,000 in debt. You said, or more, is that what you said? Or more. It's, it's unreal. So you get out and you think, you know, I worked all these years and now I'm going to have this reward of at least being able to, to have, you know, a good career and make a decent living. And so we have so many people that are, you know, just kind of overwhelmed with, with the debt that comes with it. I had one person who said, you know, when you get this financial expert on, on, on the show, can you please just say, how can I pay my student loans off? What's the best way to pay of student loans. Is there a best way to pay off student loans? Uh, it depends. If you have a job, the best way is to get that after-tax paycheck and don't blow it on cars and houses and vacations and peel some off to pay it. You don't have a lot of options. Once you get into, uh, now the option there is to go to an underserved area and maybe have them cover a hundred thousand of it for you. Um, you can find that all day long. You just 
in it in any state you're in find out what they consider rural because rural to us is one house per five miles with nothing to do but what was happening is rural is becoming the suburb right outside the city you just need to know about it and like for instance you can be in atlanta and go 20 or 30 miles and you're now considered to be in a third world country so there are people that may pay some of your debts for you if you commit a certain amount of time louisiana same thing tennessee same thing so let me ask you about that um and and i'm gonna i'm sure she'll be listening when the show uh, goes live but with that is that for what if somebody's been practicing for uh, several years are these programs just for new graduates or uh, uh people entering into dental school are they uh, applicable to people who've been practicing for a while as well? Well, I have not seen it applied to people who have been practicing unless they, I've not seen the end result, but docs have told me that they're gonna do a satellite location in a certain area 40 or 50 miles away and they're gonna go one day every other week or two days every other week. And there's going to be an incentive of up to 75 or 100 grand given to them. Um, haven't seen the end results of those for the people already in practice. But what I typically see is folk either coming out or folk moving from one job to another job, not necessarily to go out on their own. Okay. And they will go into those situations to get some loan repayment, make the commitment, and the entire the entire time start planning to open the practice once they're done. Right. Because I still I'm getting older now. <laughs> I'm no longer the twenty something, thirty something year old. And I'm seeing people just rush out to open practices. If you can do it, so be it. But in most cases, to me, you may need to step back for a year, even six months, and learn how to be who you're trying to become. Because it's hard to just run out and start. So maybe you go to the VA or to a reservation or whatever the programs are and say, hey, what are you going to offer me if I come service you for two years? You're going to get compensated. They're going to knock out some student loans. And because you know what you're doing, don't, don't add on a bunch of additional debt and start planning that practice so that when you're done, you've got a little bit of uh, room between your debt and your equity, and you can go out and do something. I, so, I, I think that's one of the, the problems, too, when we get back to, like we said, just not knowing not knowing, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so uh, people may think, you know, I'm, I'm, even if they start off like a, as an associate. Right. I'm doing well, I'm producing all these members. You know, I can just go do it for myself. Right. Or they're not understanding that, that there are these channels out there. Exactly. That help them pay back. And so they do it in reverse. Right. With the practice. And then realize, oh, there's programs out there. Because right. You know, I didn't really know about, I'll be honest, I didn't really know about those type programs when, 
when I finished dental school. And even the military, I, I, I didn't know much about that. I didn't, right. you know, we may have seen a person, but, but nobody really, as far as I know, came and said, look, this is the opportunity. We pay this back. And, you know, this is how, how that works. And I mean, a year, two years, four years, it flies ball. That's nothing if it's paying off your, that debt. That you, right. And, yeah. and you're learning how to be that mature, professional, great dentist. Exactly. Versus just jumping out and trial by fire. Right. It just, it makes sense. Now, some people may be second, third generation or you're their mentor and they went 10 years running in and out of your practice and they know something, then, you know, maybe they're a little more prepared to go out and open a practice because technically they've been working for a long time. But I just think for y'all, it the money's there. Uh, when I compare the two, medicine and dentistry, your increases year over year are better. So there's always room for growth. Um, you can kind of control your situation a little more because y'all are doing it right. You know, I, I walk in a dental office and they're like, this is what you, your insurance going to pay. And this is your balance. Let me, let me have my money. <laughs> Where did you walk in? Would that be check cash or charge? Right. Would that be check cash or yes? Right. But you walk into a medical office, they're like, let me get your copay. And, and that's it. So from that standpoint, I think y'all have done well. You just need to understand what that means and magnify it over the next 20, 25 years and turn it into an exorbitant amount of wealth for you and your family. Um, it's, it's a significant advantage that I think dentists do not see that they have over physicians. It's significant. Wow. That's good stuff. That is. And so with, with that, we're, we're, we're talking about kind of like a little bit earlier, like payroll and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a question that a lot of people have to bonus or not to bonus. Right. So um, I, I believe in bonusing uh, your team members, but I understand, too, there's a right way to do it. Right. So what, some of the, 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 what are some of the ways that you suggest uh, in terms of paying bonuses for your team members? Well, for one, it needs to go through payroll, rule number one, because everybody try to write bonuses and say, that was a Christmas gift. That, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> gonna work, uh, but on on a more serious note, you need to understand everybody's role. Who are they? Because you have production, non-production. What are they getting paid? What does that mean? Everybody that's working for you needs to understand that not only does their salary and benefits come into play, and you need to understand it before them. There is a cost to housing them. There's a computer, there's utilities. That operatory, some of them cabinets are for them. That's not for you, all that has to be captured. So when we're looking at bonus structures, whether it's front desk, hygienist, dental assistants, or dental associates, we try to start with a multiple of three. 
every single time and then go from there. So because when if I'm paying you ten thousand as a dentist, you really need to bring thirty in here for me to even be happy. I'm not gonna get all of that twenty thousand dollar difference. There's utilities, there's that two hundred thousand dollar operatory you're looking at. I mean, there's your staff, there's your insurance. So some of the mistakes we'll see is a, a a dentist will cut a bonus for another dentist or hygienist without even realizing that person has not made a dime for the practice. I'm paying you 10000 You brought in twenty one, So they're like, okay, they double what, what I'm paying them. But on the ten thousand, you got fifteen hundred and thirty dollars of Social Security and Medicare, so that's eleven five. You've got a dental assistant, you've got a front desk person where you're responsible for some of that pay. That might take you to fourteen thousand. Then their benefits, your share of it, fifteen thousand. We hadn't gotten to the utility bills, the mortgage, the computer, your desk. We haven't gotten to any of that, continuing education. So at 21 grand, you might not make a dime. You may lose money, but now you're going to bonus this person 30% of everything above their salary. So you're bonusing them $3,300 on 21 grand. So just for them, there's 14, 15,000 off the table. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And now you have to add all those other costs. So you're in the hole. So uh, again, we always try to say, can we do a multiple of three? So now we have to look at who are your patients? What's your environment? What are your costs that are embedded in those financial statements that you need to learn how to read? (laughs) And we come up with a number because if three can't work because of your environment, then will 2.75 work? Well, two and a half work because we can't go to two. We already know you're going to be in the hole. So that is why when you go to work at different places, they're like, we're going to give you 22% of your collections. And you're like, man, they're robbing me. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. They're not. And as you produce more money, we can get you. We're going to tell you, go tell them you want 26%. Go tell them you want 28%. When you're getting to 30%, they're going to tell you hit the door because they can go find somebody else. Now, if I'm on the other side, I'm going to tell you as the owner, pay them the 30 because if you paying them 30% plus a bonus amount after 300%, all of y'all are happy. You're going to make some, they're going to make some, and then everything in between, you can efficiently and effectively compensate your people and pay your bills. So again, it's unique for everybody, but if you try to shoot for that multiple of three before you paying bonuses, you're gonna win. Now, if you're trying to grow the practice, you're gonna have to squeeze a little bit. Like, hey, if we do 2,000 a day, every day this week, I'm gonna put 700 bucks in that pot over there. You're not supposed to do that, but you do have to take care of people when you're trying to grow. Because a lot of times you're losing money when you do that, unless you're hitting your multiples. So that's why I say every situation is unique. But again, 
before you think about paying a bonus, is the person you're about to pay it to generating three times their salary. If the salary is $5,000, have you collected $15,000 on this person for this month? If so, bonus them all day. And the bonus can be equivalent, like everything over 300%, we're gonna pay you 20%. 30%, 25%, you you pick a number that makes you happy because if it starts making them unhappy, you're going to know about it. And then y'all can go back and negotiate because now it becomes a value proposition. What's your value? What's my value? And then everyone's happy and you keep moving. But don't treat them as if they own the practice because you'll never get them to buy in. So it, it's it's a juggle. But if you understand those financials and you understanding those numbers, that part makes it much easier. Okay, good advice. Very good advice, and and that's true. Uh, we we want to bonus people to keep them happy. A lot of times, people are happiest when they know that they're appreciated. So right. it's not always you know a monetary thing, but we get into wanting to, and we want to please and help the people that work with them for us. But the numbers have to make sense, as you're saying. Right. So they, they, have, they have to make sense to do that. And, and understand, people want to be appreciated, but appreciation means nothing if there's no education. So to a lot of the dentists and physicians and CPAs and attorneys, all your licensed folk, you cannot completely keep your staff people blind to what you're doing. You don't have to tell them, we made $10,000 today, but you need to tell them we hit our production today or we're getting our collections. And as you start getting people you can trust that understand, you educate them because if they sit there and they're making $40,000 and they see 10 grand come in the door in two days, they're going to be like, well, wow, there's 19 more work days in this month. I'm underpaid. If you educate them, they're going to know these utilities got to be paid, that chair you're sitting on. So show appreciation, but there needs to be some level of education for now, everybody in there. I'm so glad you said that. And um, I, I'm really glad you said that. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of the things I've always done with my team is I actually share numbers. I'm completely transparent. They know how much the overhead is. They, they, like you said, they know how much this stuff costs. And when people see that, they understand that the book needs to be filled. Or, right. Like I said, a, a lot of times the money that comes into the practice, they think that the doctor keeps it all. And oh, they're making all this money and I'm underpaid. But when they understand that, they understand, oh my goodness, to keep the doors open, we need to do this. They're, they're treated like partners of the practice. Right. So I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a very, a very good and valid point. Yeah, before we sign off, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners? Um, I, I, I think we're good. Um, to the folk who are employed, I, I think they should treat that employment like a job, like a, like a business. Meaning, if all you have is your paycheck, 
that paycheck becomes your business. That federal wage line, Social Security, Medicare, state. If you're in the Northeast where you are, it could be city and local. They could be paying six different taxes through a W-2. Understand that business and, and start figuring out how to legally manipulate it in your favor. That could be funding retirement. That could be taking advantage of a flexible spending account, health savings account. Because I find a lot of dentists and physicians will have access to stuff on a job that they're doing outside the job. And if you do it on the job, it's pre-tax. If you do it outside the job, it's after tax. So do you want to make a dollar forty to spend a dollar? Or do you want to make a dollar to spend a dollar and then on that other 40 cents pay tax and keep the rest? So if you're employed, turn your W-2 into a business. Become the entrepreneur of your paycheck. And if you're on the job, then you need to understand the wealth creation process. Your goal is to figure out how fast can I get the salary I would have gotten on the job. You get to that number as fast as possible because until you replace it, you own a job that's paying you less than your last job. So once you get that salary, then you're trying to fully fund retirement because if you've gotten a salary, you shouldn't immediately increase your standard of living. So dump at least start funding retirement. Once you're funding retirement, if you're in the Southeast or in the, the Midwest, you buy the building. Now, if you're in LA, Chicago, New York, or DC, I can't help you with that. Pay that rent. You, you can't, in most cases, buy the building. So get the salary, fund the retirement, buy the building. Once you get that moving, you start, you've already got life insurance and all that stuff working. Now you can start that complete wealth creation process first for you and then for those coming after you. So I, I would kind of leave with that. Be the entrepreneur of the job or the business. And if you try to fully understand that, you can't know it all yourself. You're going to have to do some reading. You're going to have to talk to people, but you're better off for it. All right. That is wonderful advice. That sums right. it all up. And so how would listeners get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with you and um, CPA and Associates? Our website is www.tcpafirm.com. tcpafirm.com. Our phone number is 706-494-3802. And I don't mind direct emails. I'm going to give you two because I sometimes miss them when I'm traveling. My email is william at tcpafirm.com. And then the administrator's email is info at tcpafirm.com, I-N-F-O. So she'll get me faster than I'm going to get me. You can email <laughs> me directly or email her. her. Okay, well, that's good to know. So, so basically, I will include all of your information in the show notes. Okay. So if people want to get in touch with you and your firm, they will have that information to do so. As I said, I know you personally. Uh, and for those who are listening, uh, 
uh, Taylor CPA and Associates, Mr. William Taylor, uh, excellent advisors, uh, really interested in their clients, uh, really interested in educating their clients and helping them to create wealth. So once again, uh, William, Mr. Taylor, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You have been a well of knowledge You've dropped uh, many pearls of wisdom, so I'm sure people will be able to utilize that, and hopefully they'll contact you so that you can help us uh, better understand our numbers and what we do. Okay. So, thank you. So, thank you. So right. this concludes another episode of the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you have not, please subscribe to rate and review the show which is now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and several other podcast mediums. And also, if you have not, please join our free Facebook group. It's called the Efficiency Now Network. Plenty of professionals, dentists, physicians, other business owners who are all in there. We're working together. We're helping each other so that we can have more productivity, more profitability, and a better quality of life. So this is Dr. Evelyn signing off. And until next time, be well, and we will see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Efficient Practice Podcast with Dr. Evelyn Samuel.